This is IsAware, powered by Intersoft Associates. IsAware is your connection to exploring the systems and software that power businesses like yours with expert insight, experience, and advice. Welcome back to IsAware. I'm Chris Bentliff, and I'm joined as ever by Hi Goldstoff and Abe Unger from Intersoft Associates. And guys, something that has come up again and again and again is... We were working with somebody and in-house they had somebody who did something or we were working with somebody and they had outsourced this project to somebody. And when we got it, we really had to do a lot of course correcting or whatever. I'm wondering if today we can have a conversation about uh, getting ahead of that or maybe being proactive about that. So, hi, kind of my starting question is, how do I know if I have the wrong person either that I've hired the wrong you know, consultancy or, or agency or company, or even the wrong person on my staff to take command of what I'm trying to do. What are some signals or some, I don't know, some flashpoints that I should keep in mind? Well, look, look, you actually got to break that down into three different, different things. Great. One is hiring someone on your staff. Second is if you outsource it, are you outsourcing it domestically? Or are you offshoring it? And then again, on offshoring it, where are you doing it? If you're offshoring it, you're kind of going for a commodity uh, engagement. So, but uh, if it's someone that's on on your staff, if it's a team, that's great. You know, and if they if they are professional, you know, software developers, computer science, not just the, you know a guy who knows how to use Excel well, yeah. or someone who knows how to use uh, or, or a woman that knows how to use access well. Um, if it's just one person, one of the one of the problems that you're that you're going to have is managing that person. If you're not technical, you don't know how to manage them. And even outsourcing from from management perspective, um, assuming you don't have a whole technology infrastructure set up. Uh, they kind of don't want to know anything. You know, they kind of let him be at yours and let him, and they make the mistake of not knowing passwords, oh. not knowing where things are. And it's real important, you know, for them to make sure that that happens. They, they, they don't, they don't get involved in, in the nitty gritty and they should certainly have a, a good company that works with them. Even if it's even just on the IT end to make sure they can help with best practices. I mean, we do that with all of our clients, you know, because we're deeply invested in their success, which is kind of something you know to you know to kind of keep track of as we go further down who you deal with. But also, if you have a, sing- a single person doing this, uh, you have no way a to challenge wh- what you're told. If that person tells you from a technology standpoint the sky is green, you can't debate that. Uh, you don't know what's possible. Uh, that person might not know what's available because his what he's learned and the problems he's solved uh, may be somewhat myopic, that kind of a business. That business, he's seen their businesses and, and he tries to solve them. And um, which I've told, actually, we our largest client is somebody who couldn't afford two programmers. And today they're our biggest client and they afford a whole consulting firm with a number of people supporting them on a regular basis. But what happens is um, if the person's any good, he's going to look for more challenges. You know, you can't give him that. And if he's no good, you really don't want him. So that's the issue with, you know, hiring someone that's on staff 
or, or even just bringing in one person who may be a good programmer, uh, but hasn't seen all aspects of development, hasn't seen, uh, hasn't put in his 10,000 hours, so to speak, of various problems and applying what they know uh, to those problems uh, and, and looking at commonality. We were in a, con we were in a conversation today with, 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 a, with a new client who can't get stuff done quickly enough and we have to you know, hold them back a little bit. And we know what they're going to need. And we're talking about giving them capabilities that are, they make, you know, talk about looking for certain data. And we say, well, if you're looking for that, you're gonna look for this, ah, we never do that. Costs five minutes more code to do that. So we know what they're going to need. We know once they have those capabilities, they're going to use them. Someone who's not done this before isn't gonna be able to do that. So that's that's my take on the on the individual. No, but more importantly, you have no one to, you have no one to challenge them, and we are happy to, you know, get involved with anybody. You know, even on a, you know, on a maintained continuity basis, even if we don't do any real work, we're just on a management as, on a management area. As it goes to to challenging someone, by the way, you were talking about you know individuals and lack of challenge. One of the things people tend to have. In, in coding is it's a good enough attitude. It's good enough to solve the problem. It's good enough to get me through this. It's good enough code. It'll last me till tomorrow. It's good. And that attitude is, as we said many times before, good enough is not good enough. But, but also what happens is the programmer starts acting as an actuary where he says, ah, this will never happen until it does. I think that's a really great point because uh, the problem that I want to solve today might involve uh, hey, I, I, I think that I need somebody who can really make sense of these spreadsheets or who can really help me with the problems I'm having with Microsoft Access to use some things that you just mentioned. And you're saying that might not be the thing you should be doing at all. But if your finite sort of scope of this or perspective is limited to those things, and then you go out and hire somebody with those skill sets, you're going to hit a wall at some point. The, the, an innovation wall is going to uh, stop you from moving further. But, but using Excel and Access as proof of concepts, or if it's if if there's no real volume where it's just not worth anything, uh, it's just not worth doing. Again, we're working with somebody else who who is managing tasks. Um, I'm trying to be as vague as I can over here, uh, yet be understandable. Um, he really needs a uh, he'll ultimately need a a fairly sophisticated system written. But right now, the number of tasks that he deals with at any one point in time doesn't warrant anything. So we're having him use actually a CRM to do uh, most of his um, data data entry. And we're going to go in and, and hook up to that CRM and run some analyses for him. So we don't need all the granularity that he might need if he had 10,000 tasks going on at the same time. You know, he might have... A, a, number of tasks that are that'll fit on a page so he doesn't need anything but at least it provides a fact so sometimes getting something done uh electronically uh, where everything's in one place is not a bad idea as a proof of concept and this is what this is this happens to be a bank and that's what that is with that with that particular bank so it's as you start growing and as you and as the number of transactions start going you know getting larger and larger and larger that's when the system you know, it hits the wall, and and as you see that happening, you should at least plan for what you might need in the future. 
IsAware is powered by Intersoft Associates, your software consultancy that will help you to maximize revenues, reduce costs, and streamline work processes with the right IT solutions. Intersoft Associates delivers strategic consulting and custom software development, together with support and enhancement to help modernize and manage the software that helps your business run. Visit us at intersoftassociates.com. Abe, I love uh, a couple things that Hai said. One is that the programmer becomes an actuary. That's really an important concept. And two is, if you're the business leader who's not a technologist, you're sort of trusting this person to kind of lead you in the right direction. From where you sit, when you get involved in all these projects, are there some common characteristics or, or sort of red flags that you look for where you say, where did this come from? Oh, well, our tech guy said that was the thing to do. Is it uh, an over opinionation? Is it a lack of uh, collaboration with others? What are some things that I should be kind of thinking about or looking for in, internally if I'm struggling with some of this stuff? So that's actually part of it. When I'm looking at some of these things, you, you may see some bad habits that people have picked up in terms of programming from the code aspect of something. And you're looking at some of these and you're thinking, you know, these, these are horrible things. Why would you ever code that way? And because if you're the one guy who's been doing this and been doing this for years um, and you haven't had anyone else review that, you haven't had anyone to challenge you. So as you said, the manager is not technical. They're not going to be reading code. They're not going to be challenging you. That tech guy is going ahead doing something. It's bad practice, bad form. But it works. So they keep doing it again and again and again. That's the house of cards. Mm. You pull out one at the bottom, the whole thing collapses. So the, the base, the foundation is not good. And because the person doesn't know any better or have someone to challenge that, you find that. And many times we find that in software where we're asked to take over a project or to help with a project. We were once called in years ago for a, a process that was running. It was a daily process processing and shipping and receiving information from UPS, FedEx. And it was a process that could not finish in, an, in a day. So by the time the next day came along, the next file came through, that first file wasn't finished processing. Mm. And they couldn't track packages that were going out, and packages that were shipped because they couldn't process data fast enough. And we used a, a resource who was trained uh, relatively new, wasn't an intern level, but close enough, a junior, um, who we had trained with and we had worked with, who looked at the process and as a junior looked at this process and said, this doesn't really make any sense. Why would anyone do this? And with a little bit of fiddling with some of their code, he said, no, this doesn't make any sense. Let me just write you a new query. Wrote him a new query. 20 minutes later, the day's file was processed. So something that took over a day to process data, he was able to do really, really quickly because he had the foundation. We had worked with him. We had a team behind him. So in learning these things, we trained him in how to how do you analyze something? How do you figure something out? As a manager, you're not necessarily going to see that piece of code, but you're going to know enough to question, should it really take that long to process data? And that's really? what you'll ask the programmer. And that's where, you know, he, yeah, well, he can tell you yes or no, but as a manager, you'll know whether that doesn't really, that doesn't add up. How important are fresh eyes on something? Because part of what you just described was maybe somebody coming in who, you know, hasn't been there for the whole thing and is seeing some things that others can't see because as, as High says, they're not so myopic. Is it important to have some fresh perspective? <laughs> always. As you're, even as any programmer, we always have some of our other programmers go in and help with some of the testing and review 
for that reason. You tend to develop things a certain way. You end up testing that same way. And by having someone else look at it, it's like, hmm, let me try this or let me try that. You know, now that it's broken, okay, great. Now I have someone else who can help me fix it. Well, that pushback, as you're talking about, hi, that challenging. Well, why did you do this? Oh, good, good point. Or, well, here's why. Oh, okay, that makes good sense. And it's also important from, you know, from a management employee perspective is not to make it, you know, negative. It's always, it's always a positive thing. Why'd you do it? We're trying to learn, you know, we're trying to learn, we're trying to make better for the client and make you, you know, and, and for you to learn more. It's all done from a mentoring standpoint. So never challenge them in, an, you know, in, in a negative fashion. Um, so, you know, the, um, you talk about fresh eyes, uh, you know, there've been a, a number of times we just had an issue that we could not solve and it was a critical issue and people you know abe and, and some other staff and me um at, i was just looking at it looking at it looking at it and finally i realized everybody go home come back the next morning and the same eyes but they're fresh solve the problem like that what a testament to the value of experience, even that you had the wherewithal to say, you know what, we're too close. We got to step back. Maybe we can come back with this after we get a good night's sleep. That is, that is so valuable. And, and for me, it connects a little bit high. A lot of when we talk about technology, we talk real tactical. And, and part of what you've shared again and again is the business impact of the decisions that can get made, which is for me, a strategic uh, component. Is it important? Uh, for business leaders to look at their technology more as a strategic asset and less as a tactical to-do to kind of get done and therefore to connect with people who can have those sorts of conversations? Well, the strategic defines a tactical to some degree, but it's got to be done strategically. You know, um, you need both. Um, but, uh, but ultimately, what, what, how will the software help you differentiate from your customers, you know, and how will it, how will it improve the customer experience as well? You know, that that's real important. However, that may be, if it's nothing more than the way the customer service people interact with you, you know, how, how do you improve that customer experience? You know, who, you know, who would you rather call, you know, um, not that you want to call any of them, but Verizon or a cricket, if you have a problem with your phone. Mm. So it's important to have that, I mean, we've talked before about how you guys have been around since the DOS days. I mean, there just aren't very many things you haven't. Don't remind me. You, <laughs> there aren't very many things you haven't seen or experienced. And uh, and that comes out not just in the uh, capabilities you have, but as you as you said, Hyde, in, just in how you see problems or in how you approach a thing or in the questions that you ask. I think that's good perspective. One thing that's really important, you know, you talk about outside firms, um, just to spend a little time on that. So the, the offshore folks are certainly less invested. And because they're commodity, the thing that Abe said before, they know how to do things one way. Um, for the most part, I call them shake and bake programmers. You know, you put them in a bag, put them in the oven, they only do things one way. And the example Abe, Abe was, was mentioning was they knew how to do things one way. It worked, but it didn't work in context for the size of what needed to be done. And we had a relatively junior individual. It wasn't rocket science. It wasn't terribly easy, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't crazy, you know. And now every day it processes in 45 minutes to an hour, um, you know. And there, there are a whole bunch of good firms. You just have to make sure that, 
know, they have a good track record and understand processes like yours. You know, we've taken over systems uh, from good firms. They were, you know, real firms had real people, real talent, uh, but they couldn't operate in an environment that this that some clients may have needed. And I think if we're being transparent, do I not often go offshore because it saves me some money? It doesn't. It doesn't. Why not? Hi. Two reasons. Um, number one is um, it will take them much longer to do things. It will be done a number of, it will be done over and over again. Uh, they're not done. Two reasons and I'm going to number three now. Um, things aren't properly documented. If you have a piece of software, it's got to be written properly. The average shelf life of a piece of software is going to be minimum of five to seven years. Some may be longer. Mm. We've seen those that were 20 years old. So it's got a long shelf life. If it's not written properly and not documented properly, the life cycle cost of maintaining that software, that is changing it, dealing with problems, becomes a lot more difficult to read through code that looks like, um, you know, the, your, 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 your spine and all the nerves in your spine, as opposed to looking at a, you know, a very straight line as you might have in your, one of your bones. So the code is written poorly. It's hard to make sure that you're not playing in a, with in a Jenga game where something that you change that you don't know about because, you know, you're, you're there two years later, perhaps. So anyway, so things take longer to do. They're not as good because, again, they don't care. They just want to get it out and get it built. And over the life cycle cost of, the, of, the, of that piece of software, it will cost you a lot more in hard dollars and then soft dollars and lost productivity and everything else. Uh, that's the short answer on why they're not cheaper. Guys, it's a great conversation today about, and I, I, I the title of this one, uh, Abe, is Good Enough is Not Good Enough. Um, and you've really helped us, I think, to understand why we make some of the decisions we make and how they can come back to bite us if we don't think more thoroughly. And we'd be remiss if we didn't say, look, just give us a call. We're happy to talk through what's going on with you. We clearly have the perspective that can be useful if we're there to contribute we will if we can't contribute but we can see some problems we'll have that conversation too but um and a minimum will make you think yeah absolutely uh we'll challenge right in the right ways thanks guys great conversation looking forward to next time thanks for joining us for is aware and a special thanks to our subscribers consider becoming one today IsAware is powered by intersoft associates who believes the more you know about your it the better Visit us at InnersoftAssociates.com and schedule your free consultation to talk about how custom software can help your business.